The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's sermon, we begin looking at the resurrection as taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The resurrection of Christ is the pivotal event in the history of the world. But the next most important event that's coming is the resurrection of the body. One day, these old physical bodies that are subject to ailments and sin and sorrow will be resurrected. If we're still living, we'll be changed. If we're in the grave, they'll be brought out of the grave, and the spirits that have gone to be with the Lord will be reunited with them. This is the great hope of the child of God. Join us today as we begin looking at the resurrection. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. My heavenly home is right
turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This morning, we talked about the resurrection of Christ. But you can't hardly talk about the resurrection of Christ without talking about, in the same breath, the resurrection of the body. The resurrection of each of us who are His children. Because you see, the resurrection is the great hope of every child of God. It's predicated upon the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to go tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great resurrection chapter, uh, and talk about the Lord being our helper, the resurrection that we are looking forward to. We look back to the resurrection of Christ, but that points us forward to the resurrection that we are going to experience one day as surely as Christ came out of the grave, our bodies will come out of the grave one day in that great time of resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that He was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me, with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed." Now, the beginning here of this chapter is a focus upon the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason for that focus is because the resurrection is the heart of the gospel message. The gospel is the good news. And he says here, I've declared unto you the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? What's the good news? If I came to you and said, hey, I've got good news. You say, what is it? What is it? You know, and uh, like kids do on Christmas. Oh, open, open the door. Let us go see what we got. You know, I want to know what the good news is. And here's what he says. I delivered unto you that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel. That is it. The gospel is not about the sinner. The gospel is not about what the sinner must do. The gospel out in the world today focuses upon the sinner. The gospel that Paul preached focused upon the Savior. And the gospel is a consistent message. It is consistent with the Old Testament. He said, I declared uh, that he, he said, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We talked some about that this morning. I won't rehash it all, but just remember that this is a consistent message with all the Old Testament scriptures. Beginning in Genesis 3 and verse 15. He talked about the seed of the woman that would bruise the head of the serpent. Even while the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. That is Christ. He's pointing them to. Even on the very day of the most dark day in the history of humankind. 
when Adam fell in the garden and all that sweet fellowship he had with God, and not just him, all of mankind, if you will, because all of mankind was contained within Adam's seed there. And, and, and at mankind, we, we had fellowship with God. We were able to walk with God. We were able to talk with God. We were able to see Him face to face. We were able to converse with Him as we would converse with one another. But when Adam fell on that darkest day, all of that was ended. He was cast out of that garden. And by the way, people today say if you can just put man in the right environment, he can, he can get right with God. Well, Adam was in the most perfect environment there's ever been. <laughs> he didn't have thorns and thistles. He didn't, have, he didn't have sickness or pain. He didn't have anything that would cause him to stumble in any way. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't have a dog that runs off all the time. And then we finally had to put a collar around and still wouldn't do right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm speaking from my experience yesterday. I sure am. He didn't have that. He didn't have any issues that would cause him to get angry or cause him to get upset or cause him to be stressed out. And yet he fell, you see, in the perfect environment. You know, maybe we can educate man to get him up to the right uh, level. Maybe that's what we need. Need to just give him more and more information. But I read about those over, and I believe it's First First uh, Timothy chapter three, and maybe Second Timothy. But it says those who are ever learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, it's not about that. the Gnostics who believe that salvation was through continued learning and reaching the different levels of knowledge and sounds a lot like some of our secret societies today doesn't it and this if you just keep getting up a different another level and another level and another level eventually you're, you'll achieve salvation the most learned people in the time of Christ were those who rejected him in fact he looked at them and said uh, he said to them you're of your father the devil <laughs> you see it's not about the good news is not that the sinner can do something to be able to get himself right with God. This is the, the gospel is about what Christ did to make man right with God. He said, this is the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You see... That's the message, and that's a consistent message. He said it's consistent with the Old Testament. It's consistent with what he's been preaching. Paul, uh, Paul never preached anything else. After he was converted on the road to Damascus, after he was born again and converted, he never preached anything else. In fact, he told him over in the first chapter of Galatians, even if an angel from heaven comes down and preaches a different gospel, let him be accursed. But you know he included himself in that too? He said, if I... Or an angel from heaven. I want to tell you uh, here tonight, I'm so thankful to be your pastor. I hope to be your pastor from now to the time the Lord comes back or till I die. I hope the Lord leaves me right here in this church. But I want to say to you that if I ever change the message, if I ever start altering it and I start uh, going off track into something, you please correct me. And if you can't correct me, get rid of me. <laughs> okay. You see, that's what Paul is saying here. I've preached it to you. He said, uh, I delivered it to you. And, he, and notice in verse 3, he said, I delivered unto you that which I also received. It's, it's a message that Paul received somewhere. Now, now listen, he, he received it from Christ. I, he was an apostle, okay? He was an apostle. But 
but also notice that he, he also received it from, from a human um, uh, instrumentality, if you will. I'm talking about the message. I'm not talking about the new birth. Don't, don't misunderstand me here. He was born again solely and wholly by the work of the Holy Spirit on the road to Damascus. I believe he was born again right there. But you know what God did? He sent a, an older preacher named Ananias down there. He said, you go, you go find Paul and you, you tell him some things that he needs to know. And, and now here's my point. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul, the older preacher here, instructs the younger preacher Timothy. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, now here's the point I want to make tonight. The gospel message is passed down from generation to generation. Now, I don't mean that it's an oral tradition. It comes from the Word of God. But the way it works, it's not passed down through seminaries. It's not passed down through institutions of higher learning. It's passed down from faithful minister to faithful minister, from church to church, is staying faithful to what the Word of God preaches. And this is important for us to understand because it seems like in the world today, there seems to be this idea that the only way to maintain consistency in the message is to have some overarching organization that will be in charge of all these little churches that otherwise would go astray. You know, many denominations have a governing body somewhere. Some, maybe it's, you know, close by. Maybe it's many states over. And that, that, that denominational body, that, that authoritative body will uh, uh, look out over the churches and tell them what they've got to preach and tell them what they've got to teach and, and send their preachers to seminary so they can learn what to teach and preach. Beloved, if you go to the old Baptist church, you go look down through the centuries of time, and it's not always been called Primitive Baptist. And there, it's, it's, it's Baptist, just in general. Uh, the Baptist church, that, that's not always been called Baptist. <laughs> the true church of God has always existed, and it has never existed in that kind of structure. God didn't set it up that way. Christ didn't give it to us that way. These are individual churches out there that ought to be in communion and in, faith, in uh, fellowship with one another. And those preachers that are older and have been preaching longer pass it down to those younger preachers that are growing in grace and in their gift that the Lord has given them, you see. And you know how they teach them? From the Word of God. See, John, Brother John Morgan is a younger preacher here. He came up under me being his pastor and Brother Buddy being here as well as one of his fathers in the ministry. But I don't have some new knowledge to give Brother John Morgan. I don't have something special that I've come up with. In fact, one of the things we, we made sure he, uh, he, he would do in his ordination is that he would stay true to the Word of God, the only rule of faith and practice. And I've gotten to where now, Brother Craig, when I go to an ordination, I either want to ask it or hear somebody ask it of those young ministers Say after we've, after we've examined them in the faith and, and seen that they're sound, I want to ask them this question. If you ever deviate from this, if you ever depart from this, will you just leave? And don't cause any problems. Just leave and go somewhere else. 
See, that's what I want. That's what I'll do. That's what I'm, I committed to do that at my ordination. I was asked that question. I will leave and go somewhere else because see, we don't need some governing body somewhere, but what we need are faithful ministers passing it on to other faithful ministers. Now, again, we're not talking about the ministers coming up with something. We're talking about those ministers who are staying true to the word of God. Remember what he said. He said, he said that uh, be, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things thou hast heard of me. And those things were things that God, Christ, had given Paul directly. That message is a consistent message. And it is an everlasting message. The Old Testament writers preached it. As I already mentioned, back over in the day that, the, the, that Adam fell, in the very day that man fell, God gave the good news to him. He said that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. It didn't say that the sinner would do anything there as part of that. It just said the seed of the woman would do it. You know, Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18 told about a prophet that was coming, a capital P, prophet that God would raise up unto them and he would be like unto him, but unto him will they hearken. You know, I want to say to you this, this evening that every single child of God will hearken to the voice of the Son of God who speaks to them in the regeneration of their souls. He will hearken. He says, beloved, he says in John 5, 25, he says, Verily the hour is coming and now is, when they which are dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. He didn't say they'll live if they want to. They'll live if they'll just uh, do something that he says to do. He says when they hear that voice, they'll live. Praise God for that. That means a babe in the womb or a thief on a cross. Or a reprobate man who is, who is in his sins yet. And I say reprobate in the sense of not having been born again. Not a non-elect. Going on the road to Damascus to haul Christians into jail. And have many of them tortured. Guess what happened? Saul of Tarsus heard the voice of the Son of God. And he lived, you see. All those Old Testament writers wrote about it. <clears throat> That's what Jesus said. We talked this morning about the road to Emmaus. He said, he said he opened the scriptures and he taught them from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And you remember Micah, what Micah said, I think we quoted it this morning. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, as he, as he denoted for them, he prophesied for them exactly where Jesus would be born. In Bethlehem Ephratah, not any old Bethlehem. There were several Bethlehems in Israel, but that was the one where he would be born. That was the city of David, you see. And he said, out of thee shall come forth he that shall be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. You know, in one place he calls it the everlasting gospel. You know why it's everlasting? Because it'll never end. But you know also why it's everlasting? Because it didn't have a beginning. Before the foundation of the world, before time itself, the gospel, the truth of God's word was established. Because he didn't become the lamb slain when he hung there on the cross. We're told he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You know, I said this morning, and I want to just reiterate this, that, that, our, that, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a reaction to what Adam did. It wasn't that God said, well, let's put Adam down here and see how well he does. But now, he, he, oh, he's messed up. I've got I've to do something. I've got to come up with a plan B. Jesus Christ wasn't the plan B. Jesus Christ was plan A all along. <laughs> he, 
He already was purposed to be the son of, to be the uh, sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice from before the foundation of the world. This message is an everlasting message. And this message, child of God, hear me now, this message is a saving message. No, I'm not Armenian. <laughs> no, I'm not Calvinist. I'm not talking about hearing the gospel message in order to be born again. I'm not talking about hearing the gospel message in order to be saved eternally. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about hearing the gospel message which will save us here and now. You know, that message tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions and that with his stripes we are healed. That's in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. How are we healed? With his stripes. Romans 5 and verse 10 tells us that when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, and much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So how were we reconciled? By the death of his son, not by something we've done. We read in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 that when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father on high. How are our sins purged? Not by me and him, by himself, you see. We're told in Hebrews 9 and verse 12 that it wasn't by the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. How, did, how was our eternal redemption obtained? By Jesus Christ himself, you see. He had obtained it. He said not, not having made it available, <laughs> not having made it possible, but having obtained it. That's a finalized act, you see. Hebrews 9, 26, we're told now once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, not by his sacrifice plus your obedience. Oh, how I'm thankful for that. We're told in Hebrews 10 and verse 14, By one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. How were we perfected? By his offering, by one offering on the cross. It's not by us offering ourselves to him, but by him offering himself to God. So you see, that's what the gospel teaches but how it's, that's, that teaches us that our eternal salvation is solely and wholly in his hands. So what is the purpose of the gospel message? Well, if you turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, we read exactly what the purpose of the gospel message is. See, there's a salvation in the gospel message. Did you know that? There is a, salva there is a salvation there. It's not eternal salvation. It's not the kind of salvation that gets us to heaven, but it's the kind of salvation that lets us know about what he's done to get us to heaven. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse, uh, well, let's start in verse 9. Speaking of Christ who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which, he hath, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and now listen, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, that's what the gospel does. It doesn't bring life and immortality, but it brings it to light. You know, the, the, the trouble we have in, in this dark, sin-cursed world is that the light... We let the light get blocked by the things of this world. And if you're not careful, those things that will block the light are the things we have in our own minds, in our own hearts. 
But if we can remember the gospel message, this how that Christ died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, that is the light. That is so enlightening and it is enlivening. It makes us, it makes us see where our salvation lies. It doesn't bring salvation, but it makes us see what it is that we have in our eternal salvation. See, the resurrection is the heart of the gospel message that Jesus Christ died and rose again. He goes on to talk about all the proofs there, all the things that he's done, uh, that he showed the, the people he showed himself to. You know, back over, if you go back to the book of Acts, it says in the first chapter, he showed himself alive. You know, if you're in part of a church that doesn't believe that Jesus Christ was bodily resurrected, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> Because that church is not built upon the building block that we are built upon, which is that Christ didn't just go to the cross and die, but that he was resurrected on the third day. Because you see, the resurrection is the hope of the child of God. He goes on to talk about this here in this chapter. He said, you know, we have no hope without the resurrection. Look at verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? One of the first errors that crept into Christendom here in this Corinthian church was that they, did, they got to questioning whether Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. What they teach you in the schools today, uh, young folks, is not anything new. It came up already back there in Paul's day. He says, how say you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and, our, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised not up Christ, that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Notice what he says here. He says, we just sound foolish if there's no resurrection. We're just preaching uh, drivel out there, stuff that doesn't matter. We're just vain philosophers. He said, we're false witnesses. I don't like to be accused of lying to you. That's what Paul says we're doing if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 